This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Polmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. What are we going to talk about today, Kyle? Well, we're going to talk about the concept of overpaying on debt. Now, you would never hear overpaying on debt come out of Dave Ramsey's mouth. That would not be such a thing. But, you know, what is that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, it's, uh, I don't know whether I want to call it common advice, but um, it's advice that you hear every now and then of of paying down debt, making extra payments, um, getting shorter amortization schedules. to even potentially get lower interest rates and things like that. Um, we want to talk about the potential for pitfalls in doing that, what that can lead to. Yeah, and it it depends on the interest rate, the volume of interest that you are going to be paying on the type of loan that you have or the type of debt. So if your credit card is 25% interest, you definitely want to pay that thing off as soon as possible. Yeah, where are you going to put your money that you're going to earn 25%? Not saying that it can't be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's definitely people that do it in real estate um, from time to time. The market can do that. Farming can do it. Farming can do that. Um, ranching can do it. Um, so everybody, you know, this is going to be different, but um, we just want to talk about what problem can it lead to if you're constantly tying up your money in equity and things or or bad debt too for that matter well yeah if you keep overpaying on let's say a home mortgage if you keep overpaying 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 you have a 30-year mortgage and let's say it's year 20 and you're short on cash you can't make your mortgage payment the bank doesn't really care that you've made 20 years of payments like you, you have to make that payment or they're going to come for your house. Yeah, you can't just skip that month's payment and then uh, come back the next month and start picking back up with them. Mm-hmm. So here the downfall was you were overpaying on that for 20 years, but that did not change the amount of money that you owed in each and every payment. You might have shortened the number of payments by doing this, but you're still obligated to make that payment every month until you have the mortgage paid off. Yep. But if you would have kept some of that extra money somewhere, even a savings account, to where you didn't give it all to the bank, now this this month that you're short and can't make the payment, you could go to that savings account or whatever it is you choose to store some of that money. Mm-hmm. And, and you can come up with that payment that you're obligated to make. You have to make. And banks entice you with lower interest rates on lower year, like lower year loans on a compare a 15 year mortgage to a 30 year mortgage. You're going to get a lower interest rate on that 15 year mortgage. A lot of times it's not substantial either. Usually what, maybe half a point. Yeah. I mean, I can't say that I've looked at anything to give any hard, fast rule number that's it's, going it's on not, right it's now. It's not like half the rate even. No, but it just—it's a little bit enticing, and they tell you, "Oh, you know, look how much you'll save in interest," which is true. You'll be debt-free in fifteen years versus thirty years, you mm-hmm. know. But they, as as Mary Jo Ehrman says, the person on the street is 
is debt-free, okay? But yeah. they don't have any money either, mm-hmm. okay? Being debt-free isn't always a good thing. No, and they they want you to pay them back as soon as possible so they can then take that money and loan it somewhere else. So you're giving them liquid money. Each payment that you give them, you're giving them liquid money. And each time you're overpaying, you're giving them even more liquid money. And then That you would have to go and apply for to get back out of the equity that you've built in your home. They yeah. wouldn't just say, oh, after 20 years, you know, you're on time with all your payments. You can't make this one. Well, you overpaid for those 20 years. We'll just take some of that overpayment and credit it to yeah. this payment. It does not work like that. No. So that's just a potential for where you put yourself in a situation that, you know, you don't plan for, but absolutely can happen to anybody. And I know some people, they just like the idea of having a paid off house. Regardless of the numbers, it's some peace of mind. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just important that you understand that that is probably not the not the most efficient financial way to go about it. Not the most ideal way to handle your finances because of uncertainty that can happen. And look at 30 years ago, look what those look what a brand new pickup cost 30 years ago compared to what one costs today. There's inflation out there. So with these 30-year mortgages, the longer you're paying in, the less value the dollar is that you're paying them. That's a great point that not many people look at. Um, you know, inflation doesn't always have to happen. It seems that the government is very well on that path with the amount of monetary uh, funds that have been pumped in by the Fed. Um, but, you know, that isn't a guarantee. But more than likely, you're going to be paying in weaker dollars the further along you get into those, into those loans, making the yeah. payment more affordable. Sure. You know, income um, does tend to rise. I wouldn't say that that's a reason, uh, you know, to look at, but it does tend to rise, making payments more affordable too. But what they also don't like always rise proportionally too. Well, that's a good point. Um, you know, I think what what we really want you to understand is those dollars can't work for you somewhere else once you tie them up in, for instance, the the home that we were talking about. Yeah. Okay. They're done. They're gone forever. And and um, this is a little bit off topic, but whether you have um, a mortgage outstanding on the house or the house is paid off, it's going to appreciate or depreciate. That can happen um, at the same rate, whether there's a mortgage outstanding or not. Yeah. Does not matter. The equity is not earning anything on the house. Nope. There is no return um, in that situation. Yeah, so if you have a $150,000 house and you get that paid off, there's $150,000 stuck in that house. And, oh, I can get a home equity line of credit. Depending on what bank you have, maybe, but Wells Fargo and I think a couple other banks during this COVID period, they don't even allow home equity lines of credit. So that is locked away, frozen. Yeah, that's money you can't access. And what if you lost your job during COVID or whatever the, the market how the market dropped and you need some extra cash, but yet you can't access it in your house. What are you going to do? Yeah. So why not build a place where you have guaranteed contractual access? Um, If you need the HELOC, you could absolutely go and apply for it. Maybe it's available. Maybe it isn't. Okay. You have potential to access it if you need to, but you still have 
guaranteed access to other funds um, if you implement IBC in your life. Yeah, and if you look at, we'll get back to the agriculture side here. If you get an FSA loan, those are very low interest up to 40 years. I have a 40-year note with them, and I, I believe it's just under 4% or something, something like that. I mean, that helps cash flow, helps the land cash flow, and I'm going to be paying that thing back as slow as, po- as slow as I possibly can so that I can take those dollars and go make money with them. Right. Well, your operation returned you much more than a 4% return on investment yeah, this year. Yeah. You have a higher use for those dollars than paying off that land loan. Yeah. But again, uh, looking at the other side of the coin, um, what if you build up a system to where it was big enough that you could hold that entire debt? Then maybe at some point in time in the future, not saying you would want to, but you would have the option of taking over, paying off that land debt and owning that debt inside of your policy then. Sure. Not saying that that that's the route you're going to go down, but it's because you're in control of the capital. You can do it. You can do it. That's the point. Yeah. When you're in control, you aren't subject to having to ask for funds, you know, and and putting yourself in a tough situation. Yeah, and and using a bank for leverage can be a great thing. I mean, it can increase your rate of return. And so it's it's definitely something to look into using to expand your operation. I agree. And, you know, I think with infinite banking, it's it's important to realize, you know, you're becoming your own banker. You need to realize that it, it may not happen immediately. It more than likely won't happen immediately. It, it may take 20 years. For some people, they may not even accomplish it in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. But you have to get started. You're always going to need access to capital. That doesn't mean that you can't use other people's capital. Yeah, you're the banker. You decide what you want to do. Absolutely. You know, that pool of capital that you're building, you get to use it how you want to. If you um, have a bad year, and going back to the land loan that Kyle talked about, you have a bad year, but you have an infinite banking policy. You have access to funds to make that payment that you couldn't make this year because you had a bad year. Yep. It just, it gives you so many options. Um, you know, with infinite banking, you're, you're taking over the banking function in your life. You're becoming the banker in your own life. Yeah, but that doesn't happen immediately. It's an opportunity fund for you. It's a save your butt fund for you. <laughs> it provides death protection for your family. There's so many benefits to it, you know, and, and that really isn't the point of this podcast, I bet. But that that's, you know, it isn't just pigeonholed as, as a place for you to build a pool of capital. There's so much more to it as mm-hmm. well. It just, it, with the life insurance asset, it provides you more than what a savings account does. Yes. You know, you have access to money. You have death benefit protection because the future is uncertain. You know, you don't want to be that person that didn't pay off that debt and left it to potentially family and and things. Yeah, you don't want to be the GoFundMe guy that when he dies, his family has to go to GoFundMe to make it survive. I mean, that's just irresponsible i feel yeah absolutely and you know we're not saying that 
that that person has to implement IBC, but you know, term insurance could be a terrific option for that person. Mm-hmm. Just some type of protection. Yeah. But that would also help you to cover those debts, you know, if you have an untimely uh, death in the family. Absolutely. But, you know, to get back on topic here, it's also, um, I've had a couple of conversations with people that have said, you know, they, they're, they're, they're interested in infinite banking, but it's like, man, the bank is taking all of my extra cash flow, you know, it's all going to extra interest payments. Okay. Um, to, to get out of this topic just a little, for a little bit longer, um, this is exactly what Nelson's talking about. The volume of interest that is leaving your economy is massive. It isn't about these low interest rates mm-hmm. or whatever the interest rate is. Um, that's what he's talking about. If you were paying that back to your system, would you have any problem doing that? No. Right. That's what Nelson's talking about with infinite banking. It's about the volume of interest. Um, but now back on topic again, uh, those people, the, you know, we didn't get down to specifics, hard numbers and stuff. Um, but a potential problem is that they tried to finance things over shorter periods of time. If you expand the time horizon for that loan, amortize it out longer, that could lower your payment yeah, it might come with a higher interest rate, but you're giving yourself uh, increased cash flow to work with, which equates to more capital for other opportunities. And to eventually maybe build that policy to take over that debt. Absolutely. You know, but when you're in this position to where you're either making extra payments or you're just forced to make all these payments and you don't have a choice because of the financing option that you chose, you're, you can't hardly even see opportunities because the, the bank that you don't control is taking all your cash flow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really important to understand these type of things. And you know, it could also be a situation where maybe they have the ability to refinance right now. Sure. That's not always going to be the best case scenario for people. But maybe refinancing, not even to start an IBC policy, but just to give themselves some breathing room every year. Yeah, if you lock all this stuff up and you lock, you're paying short land notes or whatever, and there's this piece of ground you've always wanted, it pops up for sale, and you can't take advantage because all of your free cash flow or all of your cash flow is going to the bank to pay down those payments. Right. You don't have any extra cash flow. I mean, you're going to look at things a lot differently when you have access to a substantial pool of capital versus when, oh my gosh, all my money is going to this, to the bank, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in a bad situation here, you know, I mean, I'm getting by, but I don't have extra, extra funds to, to go after another opportunity. Yeah. When we look at leverage, we need to start looking at it in a strategic way. Absolutely. How can you use it to enhance your, uh, opportunities that come into your life and not, you know, just give up all of our, all of our current capital that we have access to and that we will have access to in the future and tie it up into, into other things. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that is our goal here is to take that liquid money and bring it back to our own system and not give it to the banks. Right. 
and you, you got to get started somewhere. Like we, like we said earlier, it's becoming your own banker. Okay. This is something that's going to take time to happen. And you know, everybody's going to use their system differently. It's the infinite banking concept. It isn't just one way is the only way. Nope. You can use this system however you see fit in your own situation. Yes. It's the beauty of being in control of something. Control is just so important. Do you have anything else to say, Jason? No, I, I think we really covered this pretty good. And we gave multiple options, multiple ways to look at this, not just you know, tunnel vision, and not a tunnel vision aspect. Sure. Well, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next week. This was the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com. And don't forget to tune in next week.